0: Hi, my name is Danielle, and you're listening to Crime and Mystery Canada. On this podcast, we discuss subjects that might be creepy to some, and sometimes even frightening. Some of our episodes will deal with serious subject matter, while others will be more lighthearted. Please keep in mind that I am not an expert on any of the topics I cover, just an interested party, and as always, listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Danielle. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to Crime and Mystery Canada. On this week's episode, we're going to discuss two unconnected disappearances that happened in British Columbia. Each case on its own wasn't enough to get a full episode together, so I decided to cover both of them on one episode. So they're not connected, they just happened in the same province. But because there's not a lot of information, we're going to do two of them tonight. I think they're stories that are worth telling because the cases aren't solved. Tonight we're talking about the disappearance of Laureen Fabian and the disappearance of Jordan Halling. As I mentioned, both went missing from British Columbia and the police are still actively searching for information about these cases. So we're going to start with the disappearance of Lorreen Fabian. On October 28, 2019, Laureen set out from her house, which was in Houston, British Columbia, and she was heading out for her daily walk. This was a routine for her. It was a familiar path, something she did all the time. Laureen, who was 69, was known for having reddish hair, but her daughter specified um, in a Houston Today article from 2020 that at the time of her disappearance, she was actually letting her hair grow back to its natural gray. So a lot of the missing posters that are the missing person posters that are out there are showing her with like a reddish blonde hair. That's not actually how, what she looked like on the day she went missing. Okay. People were familiar with Lorreen's walking route. Her daughter Katrina would walk with her mother sometimes when she came over to visit. That morning, on her usual route, Lorraine actually stopped by at a neighbor's house. Um, She had a chat with the neighbor and spent a little bit of time there before continuing on. According to the article, and this is how much of a routine it was for her, according to the article, she'd usually leave her house by 12.30 and would be back by 3.00. So I don't know if she stopped and like chatted along the way. I don't know if that was part of the regular routine, but she would be back home by
1: three. That's quite the walk.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, She she probably kept fairly active, but again, she may have stopped a few times to talk to the neighbors and just talk to people in the neighborhood. It does kind of sound like people knew that she always went on that walk, so people might have come out specifically to talk with her as well. But yeah, it's a... It's like a a two-and-a-half-hour walk, so that's pretty long. Yeah. Her spouse, Egon, had not joined her on that day for her walk, but he knew that she would be back by three. And he also knew that if she wasn't back, it meant that he needed to set out and start looking for her. This was their agreement, which is exactly what he did that day when she didn't come back on time. He waited a little bit past three, and when she wasn't there... He went out to do the route and see if he could find her.
1: Yeah, and that's helpful that she did the same route every
0: day too, where you would know where to look. Exactly. But despite navigating the route of her usual walk, Egon wasn't able to locate Loreen. Her disappearance led to a massive search effort, led by Search and Rescue and the RCMP. They were able to locate some tracks that she had left, but they didn't find any sign of her. Her daughter Katrina says that she can't imagine that her mother would have just left. Her mother took medication and she didn't have that with her and none of her belongings seemed to be missing. Nothing was going on in her life that would indicate that she would have left. The police wondered, however... If there was a possibility that she had left that immediate area that they were searching, so the area that she was known to walk probably also through hints from the neighbor of where she had gone, they thought maybe she wasn't in that area that, I don't know if she'd gotten into a car or just headed a different way because there was really no sign of her at all. So the neighbors never saw her at all? The neighbors saw her when they stopped, when she stopped to talk to them, but other than that neighbor that she spoke to, no one had any information okay so basically whatever happened there were no witnesses the police appealed to the public and they were asking anyone who'd driven along the buck flats road that day and had a dash cam to come forward uh, with their footage according to another houston today article Uh, this one was from october 2020 but this appeal from the police didn't go anywhere they didn't receive any footage no one came forward so i don't know if it's if it's because the people who went down that route just didn't have dash cams, so there was no footage to be had. According to a 2019 global news story, the police did state at the time of her disappearance that they didn't think that foul play was involved, but everyone was really concerned about Laureen's safety. Now, I don't know if that still stands today. On the BC RCMP webpage, it does say that they're considering all possibilities Linked to her disappearance, but it doesn't really say one way or another what they think may have happened to her.
1: Really, it seems strange that she went to do her same thing as she does every day and never comes back, and they don't like, suspect foul play. And like to me, it kind of seemed like that would be the first guess. Like, why would she go off trail or off the route, or, or like? Off her path. It just seems strange to me.
0: Especially if that
1: was an everyday routine. Right. Like it's not, I just feel like she wouldn't be like, oh, I'm just going to do like a woods trail or a hike or whatever instead. And especially if that's her safety measure too, that her spouse is going to look for her if she doesn't come back by three.
0: Right. I have a terrible habit of heading out for a walk or a hike and I'm better now but I don't always tell people where I'm going I just go and I'd like to think if I went missing there's like five spots that needed to be checked to see if my car was there because I am like it's usually one of those five areas that I'll be in but it sounds like she and her, her spouse had really spoken about this like this is my route this is where I am if something happens you need to come look and I don't know it does say that she was on medication, so maybe she had a medical condition, just saying like, if I'm not back home, something may have happened to me,
1: so you should come and look. I don't know if it was right. related to
0: that or not,
1: but... But it seems reasonable to think that even if she did have a medical condition and that's what happened, she would be somewhere where somebody would see her or find her. Like she
0: had stuck to the plan. She's on this route, so if something happens to me, I'll easily be found and helped.
1: Right, and that's why I would think that something awful happened other than a medical condition.
0: So apparently there is a creek that runs in the area. She was walking and her daughter says that she does wonder if her mother had fallen into the creek because the weather was bad that day, which means the water could have been high. But they didn't find her, and I don't know where that creek runs off into. And I know when it comes to water, it can be tricky. Like sometimes you'd think you would find signs or clues, and there's really nothing there. But they're, again, they didn't find
1: anything. Did they search the body of water?
0: They don't say, but search and rescue was out for a couple of days looking for her. So I would assume there was search and rescue, there was RCMP and volunteers out. So I would think the area would have been searched pretty thoroughly. Yeah, that would make sense. And the area they were searching wasn't very large, but the terrain wasn't easy to navigate. So I think there were areas like off her main path probably that was pretty dense. And we've covered a couple stories where search and rescue did a really good job, like grid searches. And then like a year later, a body's found like two feet from where they should have been walking. So yeah, when the terrain's dense, it's really, really hard to say if you miss something or if the person
1: just isn't there. Well, if there's a lot of coverage, you can be just like glance one side because something catches your eye and miss something right next to your foot.
0: Yeah, and like I said, other than some tracks that they found, which I'm assuming weren't helpful to really say which direction she was going or where she had headed, they didn't come across any other clues. The search was stopped on November 2nd, 2019, with family being no closer to finding answers to what may have happened to Lorreen. There were tips received about sightings in different areas of the province, but nothing ever came from that. One strange event of note that Katrina does talk about, um, at one point while the search was going on, they had posters up all over the place, um, and a lady entered the local post office where they had a missing persons poster of Loreen, and she actually took the poster down. Now, this does seem a little bit like strange behavior, that for no reason whatsoever she tore that poster down, but nothing ever came of it. So Katrina does talk about that, and I think she would like to know who that person was or why they took the poster down, but there's no other mention we, I could find about who this person was if the police had ever located her or spoken to her. So, I mean, it may have been as simple as she said, oh, I'm going to take this and show it to people, like, it may not have been anything
1: nefarious. It's kind of hard to say. Yeah, and it could be somebody who just got triggered by it for some other reason, or somebody who had a mental health issue that was just like, I don't want to see this. True.
0: Yeah. What What was really sad to me about this story is that Lauren's daughter was trying to get her story out there so that more people would know that she was missing, more people would be you know keeping an eye out it would reach to it would reach a wider audience and she attempted to contact a Vancouver television station uh, which had more reach than the little Houston area they were in she wanted them she tried to get them the information about her mother's disappearance and they just never got back to her wow so it was never broadcast across the wider range that she was looking for And it just sometimes puzzles me a lot about how one person's disappearance can strike national interest and another person's is just of no interest.
1: Yeah, it's always strange how that happens. Like, it's weird what factors into how much media attention people get. Yeah. Or don't.
0: Yeah, it sometimes like a nation gets hung up on one disappearance just because of the strangeness, I think. Yeah but yeah it's unfortunate because you think sometimes if that information had gotten out there maybe someone had seen something and if they got to a a wider audience that could have come forward yeah possibly the police have followed up on the information and the leads that they did receive but it's not gotten them any further along they still don't know what happened to Lorene Back in October of 2020, on the one-year anniversary, they were appealing to the public to try and get some answers about what happened to her. No one came forward again, so unless they get other tips or new information or a new lead, really they've, they've nothing to work with right now. When she went missing, Lorreen was 69 years old, 5 feet 4 and about 143 pounds, with Brown hair and brown eyes, that it said according to the website, but as her daughter stated, her hair was more graying at that point. The RCMP is handling this missing persons file, so if you have any information about Laureen Fabian's disappearance, you can contact the Houston RCMP at 250 845 2204 or Crime Stoppers at 1 800 222 8477. The next missing person we're going to talk about um, is Jordan Halling. Completely different person, completely different. He, I mean, he's a teenager, he's a man, so like not at all connected cases. But it's the same idea where there's just no answers and very little information to be had. Jordan was 17 years old when he went missing from Campbell River, B.C. on October sixteenth, 2017. Jordan had a job at A&W, and according to a CheckNews.ca article from October 2020, he'd just finished up a shift that day and had headed over to a friend's place just to hang out. His friend's apartment was the Taiyi Apartments on 16th Avenue in the Camelton area of Campbell River, B.C. You're at that age where you have some freedom. You've got your driver's license more than likely. You've got a part-time job, so you've got a little bit of cash. I do remember those times where, like, you would get off work and just go over to a friend's place, and you could spend a whole day off without seeing your parents just because you were doing other things. For sure, yeah. So I think this is a little bit where Jordan was. So he hung out with two friends at the apartment that night, and according to them, it was just a completely normal night. They hung out, they played some video games, nothing odd went on. Jordan was acting completely normal. As the night was winding down, Jordan decided that it was time to head home. He left his friend's house between 1 and 2 a.m. and was planning on walking the short distance to his mother's house to spend the rest of the night there. He never made it home. So the next day he didn't show up for a scheduled shift at work, And that's when the police were called. There's a few articles out there where his parents are talking about what happened. I don't know exactly at what time his parents became aware that he was missing. It seems that they kind of knew he hadn't shown up home, but I think maybe, and I'm kind of speculating here, I don't know for sure, but. I think maybe their thought was, okay, maybe we got our lines crossed and we'll just wait to see if he comes into work because we know he has a shift and we know he wouldn't miss work. And then when he didn't show up for that shift,
1: they called the police. It's kind of that age too, where you can't panic too quickly because you go with the flow. Like if, uh, if you go to your friend's place and kind of things start rolling and you decide to do all these spontaneous things, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, uh, It's just the age where you just do random things, right, and the parents can't panic too quickly.
0: And the randomness of it could be like staying up till 3 a.m. playing video games and just falling asleep at your friend's house and not waking up till 11, you know, and then being like, oh, no, my parents are going to panic, right?
1: Right. My son sleeps till noon and he did nothing. Like, so if you're up half the night, who knows, right? You can wake up at 3 p.m. Yeah. And think nothing of it
0: according to the pqbnews.com website when jordan didn't show up for work the parents knew something was really wrong and they did call the police and his father says that he and jordan had discussed what was going to be happening over the next few days like he knew jordan was after a shift was going to head over to his friend's house and then would spend time with them and then the next morning was going back to work so it's not like that communication wasn't there. It does seem like he was in touch and talking to his family, letting them know what was going on. The police found Jordan's skateboard, which was one of his prized possessions. It was located on Highway 19, where the north and south lanes split into Ca- the Camilton area. They did find video surveillance of Jordan walking northbound on the southbound lane, and that was time-stamped around 1:30 a.m. So when I heard, like, those highway numbers and stuff, I was kind of wondering what kind of road he was walking on, thinking that it might have been a really dangerous spot to be walking. But I did find some footage of it, and it it looks like there's a shoulder and there's a sidewalk, and it would have been, like, a normal area to
1: have been walking on. Oh, okay, because when you said highway, I was picturing, like, high traffic... Um, super dangerous to be walking or skateboarding highway where you could have got hit or something.
0: Yeah, that was my thought too. And again, I looked at the pictures, which I think were the right area. um, And it doesn't look like, it doesn't really look like that. Like it it looks like one of those older highways that actually goes through town. Okay. And it did look like it had a shoulder and a sidewalk, at least
1: on one side. But that said, I'm on uh, walks or runs quite a bit. And I, Regularly, almost get hit by cars, even though there's a shoulder and it's not a highway.
0: Yeah. The police said that even in 2020, they were still receiving tips on Jordan's disappearance, but really no solid leads on the case have materialized. Police did say that all tips are being taken seriously um, and they're being looked at as soon as they come in. In the Czech News article, Jordan's mom says that Jordan is missed by all of his family, and she asks that if anyone has any information, they should come forward to the police or Crime Stoppers. According to PQBNews.com, his family members are all really certain that he didn't run away. And just kind of listening to what happened, like he. His whereabouts are known till about one thirty. He's seen on video. He's heading in the right direction to home, it seems like. It just looked like he didn't make
1: it. Right. And that's where I was thinking of, that's why I was talking earlier about getting hit on the side of the road. Because I always think, and you hear, you've heard it before, where somebody might hurt somebody or hit somebody accidentally in an accident and panic and do the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is a possibility, but there's no... If that did happen, there was nothing found at the scene.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking because his his, uh, skateboard was left behind.
0: Yeah. It kind of makes you think that, or maybe he got grabbed by someone, like just snatched. That's
1: true. Yeah.
0: It was reported that the community rallied together to help search for Jordan. They printed posters and put them up around the community... And I think it was in the PQB News article where um, they even said at one point someone from the community went into Staples to make copies of the missing person poster, but couldn't because all the printers were taken up by people making copies of the missing person poster. Like everyone was trying to get his face out there. Okay. Volunteers joined the search and rescue effort in hopes that they would be able to locate Jordan or locate any kind of clue. The police checked out Jordan's cell phone records, but they didn't reveal anything out of the ordinary. I didn't find any information about cell tower pings or anything like that, so I don't know if that just wasn't relevant or there wasn't any to be had because his phone was off. I don't know. It just says his cell records didn't give them anything. And that's pretty much it. That's all the information out there about what happened to Jordan. He was walking home, and then he was gone. No leads, no other information.
1: That's so awful. I can't imagine as a parent not knowing anything. Like it's so traumatizing to not know what happened to your kid.
0: And I think the other thing to keep in mind too is when cases like this, when situations like this take place and there's so little information, it's again one of those things where the public just doesn't get that interested so it's on the news for a couple of days and then it's done.
1: I know, but the, they're the ones that need so much more um, media attention than the ones that have information because you're stuck there knowing nothing, nothing to go on. These are the cases that need the airtime. Right,
0: to break the case, you need someone to come forward even with just a little thing or some new information, which is just why it needs to be, like you said, it needs to be out there, it needs to be talked about, and if anyone knows anything, the authorities should be contacted. At the time of his disappearance, Jordan was 17 years old. He had short, curly, dark brown hair. He was 5'11 and about 145 pounds and wore dark glasses. When he disappeared, he was wearing a gray long-sleeve sweatshirt, black pants and red and black shoes. If you have any information on Jordan Hollings' disappearance, contact the Campbell River RCMP at 250-286-6221 or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Like I mentioned before, both these cases completely unrelated, but they have a certain similarity in the feel of them where there's just someone was there one second and then they were gone and we don't really have any information or any idea what may have happened to them
1: right that that's kind of the most frustrating type of case isn't it where you know that these people are just so desperate to know something or have something to go on and there's just nothing there
0: I, I don't know if closure is an actual thing that people get in these terrible situations, but I think not knowing, it's just where your brain goes when you don't know things. Every scenario, every worst case, like all the terrible things all the time, and your brain just doesn't know where to grasp. Like, it's just, I can't imagine the difficulty that these people are living. Like The terrible everyday situation of living with that without any answers we're going to wind down tonight's episode with our moment of kindness i have another snow related moment of kindness to share and i know i shared one already it's just they feel extra special when you're buried in snow
1: yeah yeah i could see that
0: (laughs) We had a big winter storm here in Nova Scotia this week. So for Nova Scotia, it was probably the biggest storm I've ever experienced here. About 45 centimeters of snow fell overnight, and there were really, really high winds, like 90 kilometers to 100 kilometers an hour. So it's a lot for this part of Canada. Um, My partner and I both had to work really early that morning, so the storm was ongoing, it was still raging, and we were trying to get to work. Mother Nature had a completely different plan for us. So we shoveled our driveway, which isn't a short driveway. And then we tried in vain to get down our street to get onto the main road. But we kept getting bogged down in snowdrift after snowdrift. And about every 10, 15 meters, we'd be stopped in a snowdrift again. So after about an hour and a half in the fourth time, we were shoveling out the car and pushing it out of a bank of snow. We were like, okay, this just isn't happening this morning. So we had to reverse all the way down the road back into our driveway because you couldn't turn around. The snow was so high. And we ended up getting stuck again because it was so windy that everything we'd shoveled had blown over again. And we got stuck right in front of our neighbor's house. So it was about 6 a.m. We were again shoveling, shoving the car, trying to get it out. And our neighbor, who is retired and had no reason to go anywhere outside in that storm that morning, actually got dressed up, grabbed his shovel, and came to help us dig out the car and push it back out so it could go all the way up the driveway again. Just a shout out to our neighbor for being neighborly, but also for coming out during a storm at 6 o'clock in the morning to give us a push just because we were stubborn and still trying to get into work. (laughs) yeah well that's my moment of kindness
1: yeah that's a good one though 6 a.m in a snowstorm to shovel that's pretty gross so that was a big one for him
0: yeah and he's a super super nice guy but again if he just stood at the window and waved at us I would have understood because it was really nasty out still at that point
1: yeah it's not uh it's not necessarily something you want to throw yourself into
0: no so that was great it was very kind of him Thanks to everyone who's been listening. You can find us on Instagram at Crime and Mystery Canada, where we have a Facebook group with the same name. And if you want to write to us, it's Crime and Mystery Canada at gmail.com. I appreciate everyone who's taking the time to download the episodes and give them a listen. I hope everyone stays safe out there and have a good night. Good night, everyone.